We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Flo, and here's my impression of a reality TV star explaining Progressive's discounts. So I was talking to Greg, and he said that Daly knew what Erica said about her when we were all on Marcus's boat. And I was like, you what? Wait for a seer drama because Progressive totes his discounts like Safe Driver, Multi-Policy, and Paid in Full. So it's not like he said, she said, shut up, whatever. So basic, you know? Discounts to help you save more. Now that's Progressive. But then he was all, no way, Jose, because his name's Jose. Legit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, 
November 25th, 2015. It might be my little sister's birthday. I, I don't know. She's 20-ish years old, old enough to buy alcohol, but not old so enough to run a car. So you know it's, like, it's close to her birthday? Yeah, I mean, okay, it's, within, like... it's within at least two days of her birthday in either direction, and she's either 22, 23, or 24. I'm not sure exactly which number it is, but uh, I'll try to iron that out before tomorrow. a pretty big tomorrow. range. Yeah, it's um, it's a couple years. I mean, it's it's all it's all the same. Yeah, I guess. Well, um, well happy birthday to possibly what is her name? Erica. Yeah. Erica. Happy birthday. Happy, maybe birthday, to Erica. I'm sure she's listening. It, and we're not we're not going to have an episode on Friday or Thursday anyway. So because of the holiday, so this this is the happy birthday episode, mm-hmm. uh, regardless. So it is Thanksgiving Eve to those of you listening in one of the many countries celebrating around the world. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. Uh, Joey Pods, Mike Doria off today. we got pie rankings. we got game previews. We've got the Thanksgiving Day slate in particular to focus on. Some cool contests running over at DraftKings focusing on those three games. We'll try to get a few Millie Maker thoughts tucked in as well because I know you guys are going to miss the Man Bear Puig on Friday of this week. I want to open with the pie rankings, though, and I put these up in the Thanksgiving Day cheat sheet on the site along with my beers to target for the holiday. For me, it's just apple pie at the top. Like you just can't, you can't miss on apple pie. And then from there, it's wide open. There's a lot of different ways you can go, Nick. But I think you got to go French silk to mixed berry when you can find it. Rare pie at three, cherry at four, and then pecan, as they say in the South. If you can get it from the South, would be five. Pumpkin, I've listed at six only because I know there's about 290 kinds of pies out in the world. I don't want to list all of them. I just wanted to emphasize that pumpkin always comes last on my ranking of pies. Yeah, pumpkin anything in general. Pumpkins themselves, I think, are pretty pretty low down on my list of vegetables. Um, Is it a vegetable or a fruit? I think it's a vegetable. Probably right? a vegetable, based it, on the way it grows. Yeah, I don't know. There's The kind of defining fruits and vegetables is like, what does it catch? Like a tomato. Right. You know, like it, that's... We know it. We every, it's a fruit, whatever. But everyone knows it's really a vegetable, and you know maybe pumpkins in that category too. Well, are we in the kitchen or are we in botany one hundred class? Because I think the definitions of fruits and vegetables change depending on where you're located. That's true. That's true. I, I never took any botany classes uh, at Wisconsin. Thankfully, it's not really my cup of tea. But going back to the pies, you're going to be disappointed in this. But I'm not much of a pie guy. Uh, knowing me and you know having someone who's gone out to eat with me many times. <sighs> Probably not super shocking. Um, I, I don't know. Like my rationalization for this is one: I, I haven't really tried that many pies. Most pies that I've been around usually have whipped cream on them, and I don't eat whipped cream, so that's kind of the deal breaker uh, with that. But if I were to scrape the whipped cream off of a pie, I would have to go with apple. I do like apples quite a bit. I, I'm a big fan of the crust. So like my mom would would make apple pie, and then she would just like make some extra crust and just let me eat that. <laughs> uh, kind of like like scraps, I guess, in a lot of ways. Uh, actually, definitely scraps. Um, but yeah, I don't. I definitely don't like fruit pies. I've tried those before. Um, just not really, not really interested in that. Pecan pie I like, but I just kind of pick off the pecans and eat those. I think that counts in some ways. It's not even a pie anymore. Uh, well, it, it is. It's served as a pie. You just kind of remove the pecans from the pie. Um, but the, I mean, the biggest thing is like I just it's an opportunity cost thing. It's if I'm going to eat a piece or two of pie, that means I'm going to have to eat less stuffing or less mashed potatoes, cheesy potatoes, green bean casserole, and I like all of those things infinitely more than I like any dessert. So I would rather stock up on the traditional Thanksgiving you know comfort foods than I would uh, dessert. I, I'm just not a dessert guy. 
I respect the I want to eat more of the other stuff defense of not eating pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're the only person I've ever met who just does not like pie, though. That's that's very. I, very I don't unusual. know. There, there could be a table full of pies here, and I would just you know, I'd be like, eh, maybe I'll maybe I'll give them a look, but I don't know. I just don't get excited for pie. Cake's kind of the same way. They're totally different for me. I'm more excited about pie than cake by comparison. I think pie is often a lot better than cake, but a lot of variations uh, at least. All right, pivoting away from the uh, pie talk, I'm curious to know uh, if Marshawn Lynch, one, does he eat pie? Probably. Yeah. Two, how would he rank the pies? And three, has he ever had a pie made for him that has Skittles inside of it? And I feel like that's also an affirmative. Like he's undoubtedly at some point had Skittles inside of a pie. Right. I'm sure there's, I, I could definitely see that happening in the Seattle area. Bakeries offering some sort of, you know, Marshawn Lynch beast mode pie oh, with, with Skittles beast mode in it. pie. I'm man. searching Skittles pie uh, right now and getting some pretty weird results on Google Images. Nothing that looks very appetizing. There, there seems to be a lot of mixing of Skittles and chocolate, which is a, a, a huge, huge no no. Yeah, no, you definitely don't want to do that. I googled beast mode pie just now, and the first video result is a video on YouTube entitled Epic Apple Pie Smoothie from Beast Mode Jones. I want to watch that video. I but want to meet Beast Mode Jones. I, I, I do too. It's nine and a half minutes long. We're going to try to get him on the pod at some point. Probably going to watch it when we're done recording, though, since we do have uh, some holiday travel here coming up later today. Uh, let's dive into these Thursday games. Actually, a pretty good three-game slate in terms of quality. you got the Eagles going on the road to face like, the Lions. Really, for the Eagles, this is a way of, of salvaging their season. Things seem to be in complete disarray. I mean, uh, ESPN is loving it right now. They can just plaster Chip Kelly's face on the screen and get a bunch of random quotes about how he's losing control of everything and he's not the genius that we thought he was and all that. And This is a guy that's gone 10-6 and six in his first two seasons as an NFL head coach. Uh, nevertheless, Lions are two-and-a-half-point favorites coming off that riveting win over the Raiders on Sunday. Over-under set at 45-and-a-half. The big question for me in this one is, are we convinced that Mark Sanchez will definitely start? Because Sam Bradford is questionable. It's not the concussion anymore, and he went through the protocol. He's fine. It's actually the left non-throwing shoulder. And I guess the sub-question there is, does it even matter who starts a quarterback for the Eagles at this point? Because that defense looks like the big issue right now. The defense is a big issue, but I think they would still rather have Bradford. I mean, like you said, it, it's a it's almost a toss-up at this point, but they've played slightly better under Bradford, I guess. Um, you know, But like you said, the defense uh, giving up, what was it, 45, uh, 42, 45, I think, to, to Tampa Bay this past week. That obviously can't happen, although one of those touchdowns did come on a pick six from Mark Sanchez. And it was interesting talking about this whole Chip Kelly situation. On my way to the office uh, this afternoon, they had Rosillo and Canal were talking about it on ESPN Radio. And they kind of noted that, you know, this witch hunt that's going on with Chip Kelly, like you said, 10 and 6 his first two seasons, you know, pretty good reviews overall through that process. And then comes the summer when the racism allegations come out. He, he kind of starts making more drastic moves personnel wise. And basically what they said is, the fact that he made those moves and the fact that he's kind of doing this, doing things his own way and challenging the status quo of the NFL, you know, even, even talking about things like practice schedules and, and the way they practice and you know, all the meticulous kind of idiosyncrasies that comes with hiring Chip Kelly as your coach, those have kind of led more to his demise than anything else because it's, you know, he's, he's doing things his way and he's failing his way, but he really doesn't have 
he doesn't have anywhere else to shift the blame, you know. Um, and, and you know, I think Rosillo brought up some examples of of coaches who have just kind of stuck with their, you know, a struggling quarterback, for example, not making a change because it, it looks better on the coach's end for you know for the quarterback to struggle and just say, well, you know, maybe we didn't have the right quarterback. With Kelly, it's I'm making all these moves, I'm doing all these things to set up the team that I want, and then it's failing. So there's no one else to blame but him. At the same time, they have had a reasonably high number of injuries not that's true at the league you know peak this year in terms of number of guys they've been without not but, as many as they would have liked I'm sure they haven't right. quite peaked yeah they haven't quite <laughs> peaked there but looking at it, what it has happened to them more recently Ryan Matthews has been banged up I think some people have questioned as uh asked questions as to why the Eagles have been using DeMarco Murray so much more than Ryan Matthews when Matthews was better earlier in the year on a per carry basis to me Murray's kind of leveled out over the last few weeks even though the offense hasn't been playing as well so I don't think that's an egregious mistake I think it's two quality backs that can both get the job done uh Zach Ertz has a concussion he's not going to play in the Thursday game against Detroit so that bumps Brent Selleck up in the rankings. Jordan Matthews has played hurt. He's dropping passes a lot. He's got the hand issue, uh, but he seems to be fine, at least for the Thursday game. I think Matthews not really being the number one receiver that they thought he'd be this year has been a big part of why the quarterback play hasn't been good. But I think it's easy to also forget Sam Bradford was coming off of his second ACL surgery going into this season. He didn't go through a complete spring and summer with full workouts to get on the same page with his new teammates, and you've got a lot of new personnel on both sides of the ball all trying to come together at the same time. So that the Eagles are 4-6 and six going into Week 12 shouldn't be that big of a surprise. No. Plus, they're one game out of first place in their division. And you look at the type of quarterbacks that Chip Kelly has had success with, and of course we're looking at the college level, they're not the Sam Bradford pocket passer types. And that's why it was such a weird move. And Nick Foles really wasn't that type of quarterback either, but it felt like a lateral move, you know, going from one pocket passer who's maybe okay to another pocket passer who we don't really know is that good either so I don't think the results are that surprising I'm with you but the other thing to remember is that if they beat Detroit they're five and six the Panthers are are at Dallas this week looking at the the rest of the NFC East you don't really like that matchup for Dallas although they're a a point and a half favorite at home either way they're they're facing arguably the best team in the NFC and then the Giants play the Redskins so one of those teams is going to pick up another loss as well so I mean they're right in the thick of this thing that's that's what's kind of odd to me about all you know, all the dissension that's happening over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, they, they don't want to get blown out by Tampa Bay. Uh, you never want, that's never a good thing. But at the same time, this this could so easily be looked at in a few weeks as just kind of a, a blip on the radar. And maybe I'm underestimating the situation. Maybe things are worse in the Philadelphia organization uh, than I'm aware of. But I mean, when it's all said and done here, they could be tied for first place in the division by the end of the week. Yeah, it could change that quickly. So a pivotal game for the Eagles. Lions favored by two and a half, though. Uh, you mentioned the Panthers and Cowboys. We'll get to that one in just a second. The Lions are pretty healthy going into this game, even with the short week. Eric Ebron was a full participant in Tuesday's practice. He should be good to go. He's been dealing with a quad injury. Kelvin Johnson was limited on Tuesday with that ankle injury, but even if he's limited again here today as we record, I don't think there's anything to worry about. It seems like he'll be ready to roll against a Philadelphia secondary that allowed Jameis Winston to throw five touchdown passes on Sunday. So, I guess the big question when you look at this game, with the over-under sitting at 45-and-a-half, are you expecting the Lions' offense to deliver a performance that maybe is in line with what we thought their offense might look like at the beginning of the year? It's been one of the big surprises for me is they've played some lower-scoring games. Even when they've fallen behind, their offense hasn't found a way to really click on a week-to-week basis. Is this the week they get on track? 
I, I'm not sure there's any evidence that supports that. I mean, you look at their last four games, they haven't scored more than 19 points, even though they're coming off of two wins. They scored 18 against the Raiders and 18 against the Packers. Um, so really, I guess it's been the defense the last two weeks that, that's been doing it for them. We've talked all year about the talent that's on this team. You know, They don't look like your typical three-win team at this point in the season when you have two good receivers, some talented running backs, a, a fairly proven quarterback, and Matthew Stafford. So I don't know if I'm – I think I'm past the point of expecting them to snap out of this at any point. I mean, we're, we're, it's week 12 at this point. I think it's a little late <clears> – excuse me, it's a little late in the season – uh you know for this to be more than just uh kind of a rut I mean you, you don't go into a rut for 11 weeks and I think the Eagles are kind of at that point too and that that's why the line for this game is a little odd you know it seems like 45 and a half is a lot to ask for these teams but the Eagles still kind of carry that general sense of man if they, if they figure things out they could go for 50 this week you know and there's just no evidence that's really supported that yeah it, it's messed up for both teams really because I think they were expected to be at least uh, top eight maybe top 10 offenses if you look at the Lions mm-hmm. but still teams that have plenty of weapons that haven't been able to get it done uh, Panthers and Cowboys in Dallas again you mentioned before Cowboys are a point and a half favorite in this one they're three and seven the Panthers are 10 and oh I, I know the Cowboys lost a lot of those games without Des Bryant and without Tony Romo they're three and oh I believe with Romo this season so that gives you an idea of, of the Jekyll and Hyde routine they've been able to pull off to this point they should have had that win in New Orleans earlier this season. That was one spot that it would have been particularly useful to come away with a win. But even the Cowboys are still in the mix in the NFC East, but they pretty much have to win out. And if they could give the Panthers their first loss of the season, I think that would actually get a lot of people on board with the idea that Dallas might be the most talented team in that division and capable of making that run necessary to actually win the East. Considering they lost... Was it, it was seven games in a row, right? Without seven Romo, they lost row. all of them. Seven Considering they lost seven games in a row and are two games out of the division, I mean, this is not work, couldn't have worked out any better for them. I, I guess, you know, obviously, you could say that they could have won some games without Romo, but considering what happened to them and what, you know, what happened on their end, the NFC East shaking out like it has has been a godsend uh, for Dallas. And there's actually a debate now. Is the NFC East worse than the AFC South? And I think the AFC South is still worse. You know, we're, we're probably not having this discussion if Romo's healthy and Dez is healthy and the Cowboys are sitting with you know, three or four losses or whatever it might be. Um, but there, there are people out there that would probably argue that the Cowboys are in the driver's seat here, despite the Giants being at 5-5. Five and five. I mean, they're favored against a, a 10-0 and 0 Panthers team. So there's still, I guess, a lot to like, at least from Vegas' perspective, about this Cowboys team. How do you see this shaking out? I think this is a ridiculous line, and I think Carolina takes care of business. Yeah, I think Carolina wins this one. I think the over-under might even be a little high. I think I'd be inclined to say it's probably more of like a 41-point game, all things considered. Maybe like a, a 24-17 Carolina win in this game would, would probably be what I expect. So I'd, I'd be all over Carolina if I were in Vegas instead of spending time with my, th- with my family uh, on Thanksgiving. That's too bad that I'm not going to be in, in Vegas tomorrow. That, that'd be that'd be great. Uh, but the Panthers are pretty healthy going into this one. They're also getting Charles Johnson back from a hamstring injury. So, I mean, that's a, a nice boost, too, to have that added to the pass rush. The defense could be even better. I think the thing that continues to amaze me about the Panthers, they're doing it without much in their group of pass catchers behind Greg Olson. We talked about Devin Funches, I think, on the Monday pod. I like him quite a bit as a cheaper option if you're looking to fill that third receiver spot on DraftKings or if you're going to play in a uh, Thursday-only draft with your family. That's good use of family time, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I saw that article you, you posted on the site, kind of a makeshift way to 
you know, if you're maybe having a couple drinks and you want to get some action going on these Thanksgiving games? Yeah, so, it, you know, you're basically going to have a, a tryptophan coma anyway, but you're going to probably be lounged out in front of the TV all day. Yep. And if you can get four, maybe even six people at your gathering to get together before that Lions game starts, draft out your teams, you get something to be excited about all day. And you got something to talk about that isn't, I don't know, politics or something that just comes up every Thanksgiving. Every family has some topic that probably comes up. I think mine is going to be confronting my grandparents about their like racist Facebook posts. Ooh, that's going to be a... I think a, most people have that issue. I've, I've talked to a lot of friends that seem to have racist grandparents, too. That sounds like a really fun conversation it's be something, to have. Yeah. So you should, to avoid that conversation, you should have a Thursday... Uh, Thursday draft, but actually you should have the conversation and the draft, and maybe maybe the league will pull you guys back together after they inevitably disown you for for chewing them out for their uh, yeah. I mean, it's views. getting. I, I don't know. Are, are your grandparents active on Facebook? Yeah, they. No, I mean one 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 of my grandmothers is, and it, it's just like this the stuff that they post. I I can't even. See, what is this? Oh yeah, jeez. I mean, it's like. <laughs> It, it, it's it's a different generation, sure, but it's still not okay. Like I, I do think there's an obligation for for younger people to tell their grandparents, like, "Hey, look, this isn't like that. Like you can't you can't think this way, and here's why." And it's a tough conversation to have. So I give you some credit for for bringing that up on yeah. a holiday, no less. You're gonna get a bunch of your other like younger relatives together and and just go at it as a group and have kind of like. I think a, so. Well, the thing is, I've been. Yeah, I've been I've been absent for the last couple family gatherings just because I I've been working and you know it's we it's usually a long trip and if I can avoid it I like to. We have a pretty small family, you know, we see each other throughout the year so it's, it's not the biggest deal, but I have two cousins now who who have turned tw- or they're at least in college since the last time I've seen them. They were in high school and now they're both in college. So I think we're going to be able to have a little bit more of a contingent uh <laughs> of people drinking. Like I was the only last time I was there, I think I was the only 21-year-old. I'm I'm the oldest cousin on that side. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I'm not, I'm not really sure how it's going to turn out. They, I think they both go to Iowa State, so we're not going to be talking much college football. No. I don't think they're going to want to be interested <laughs> no. in that. But the big dynamic for me is we're staying in a hotel this weekend, and the hotel is a hot tub. So how, Derek, do I get away? You know, how do I dip out of the family thing at like 7 p.m. to go and just bring my laptop down to the hot tub and watch the, the, watch the night game from there? Oh, you need an excuse to get out. Well, I think you've already got one built in. I think if you're going to confront your grandparents about being racist, <laughs> that will probably get you an awkward exit from the Thanksgiving gathering. Try so, to get kicked out? Well, I think it sounds like you're trying to sabotage future Thanksgivings, too. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be against that. But, yeah, that's the thing. Instead of Maybe instead of making me look, you know kind of shady and leaving the family thanksgiving to go watch football in a hot tub i could get kicked out so it's not on me you know it's like, you guys kick me out fine i guess i'll go back to the hot tub and watch watch football right like find the last couple memes they've posted and pick something that supports something they're totally against and like put that on a t-shirt wear yeah. that or break that out at like four just o'clock general tolerance i think they're they're usually against so it should te- be pretty just, easy yeah just want the, one of the t- t-shirts that just says tolerance across the front <laughs> And, and that'll be controversial, oh, I'm man. sure. Uh, well, if you make it to watch the Bears, Bears and Packers game either at home or, or with family, that's the night game. It's the uh, Jersey retirement ceremony, oh, yeah. number four. That's the real, I mean, that's the real spectacle, I think, for this game. I have a couple friends who are going, and they're, they're infinitely more excited to watch the Jersey retirement than they are the game. Yeah, it's totally logical. Um, Packers favored by 8.5 in this one. I think the line opened closer to 10. I got nine on ESPN. You see nine, okay? So, so I don't know what I don't know moving what, around what book a little bit. Using. Uh, but anyway, you're, you're looking at the the Bears as a team that have I think improved over the course of this year for sure, but they're very banged up. Elshon Jeffrey yep. 
legitimate game time decision, it seems. He hasn't had a Wednesday injury report designation come out just yet. They will have Matt Forte back. Martellus Bennett also kind of banged up. If the Bears were at full strength, I think the line would be closer to maybe four and a half because I think they, they're actually kind of a sneaky team right now. Uh, the concern here for both offenses is that the weather is supposed to be pretty bad. It's supposed to be kind of cold and rainy, which is less than ideal. But I can't help but look at this game and think, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw four touchdown passes. I don't even know why. And when he throws the fourth one, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are going to be just beside themselves talking about how it's an amazing tribute to Favre that Rodgers yep. threw four TDs on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be something. I mean, this is this has been a storyline around Green Bay for, what, six, eight months since they announced that this was going to be the day that, that the Favre thing's happening. Bart Starr is flying in. On Wednesday, he's going to be there. That's kind of the biggest thing, I think, is, you know, obviously he's a guy who's had a couple strokes and struggled with his health and hasn't been able to get back there. And, you know, in a lot of ways, this is probably, there's a good chance this is going to be the final time those three ever, re, you know, unite together at Lambeau Field. I'm not sure how Rodgers is going to be integrated uh, with the ceremonies by any means. Um, I know that I heard there was talk of trying to get Rodgers to come out at halftime for a photo, and this, that was just, a, I think it was maybe more of a suggestion in, a, in the Green Bay paper. I highly doubt that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to leave the, the halftime huddle or with the discussion in the locker room to head out there for a quick photo op. But either way, it's, it's going to be quite the sight. That would, I mean, for me, that would be like Mark Brunel, Byron Leftwich, and Blake Bortles all getting together. <laughs> They're probably all having <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner together anyway. I feel like that's my mom's idea to have Aaron Rodgers come out of the locker room at halftime for a photo. That's that's like that's complete mom stuff on the holiday. Yeah, I, I remember reading the story, and the person, the article, even noted like this is very unlikely to happen. I mean, it would be cool, but why just do it after the game or before the game? Maybe Dude. they want maybe they want the fanfare and the and the spectacle of it all happening, whatever it might be. And I'm sure they'll get their photos taken plenty of times during the day, but. Oh. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's, people are going to be legitimately crying at halftime of this game. Isn't that kind of crazy? I don't think I would cry at this type of thing, and I love Never. sports as much as anyone. Never. There's there's no living player who could like I dead I, player. I, I'm, there, I'm thinking if, if well, it depends on the player dies. Like, if there was a player Reggie who White. who died in a very tragic way, and like no, I mean like I'm not even talking like you know, in like a painful way or a sad way, like cancer or anything like that. I'm, I'm trying to think like like a Pat Tillman scenario. That would be. That'd be the only scenario I can think of. Is there a more patriotic item that you can wear than a Pat Tillman Cardinals jersey? I don't know if there is. Hopefully not. I hope I hope people would choose that over like a Toby Keith belt buckle, but that's up there too. I mean, when we, went, when we went to that Madison Mallards game over the summer, there was there's a Pat Tillman jersey there. You know, it's just, yeah. Hey, what should I wear to the baseball game? Pat Tillman jersey. America, Pat Tillman. No, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's a great story. But that'd be the only type of, of situation where I think I would be like brought to tears by a player's I, you know, number I, being yeah, retired. I don't know. It, if I was in the house when when the Magic retired Tracy McGrady's number, maybe. <laughs> says, says the guy wearing a McGrady Raptors jersey as we record. Yep. Always a professional environment here. Speaking of photos and closing the book on awkward Thanksgiving stuff, maybe for the episode, I, I was told I need to have a black sweater and a red scarf for the family photo, and I don't own a black scarf or a red scarf or a black sweater. That would be horrible if you owned a, a black scarf and a opposite. red sweater. <laughs> it would be great if I had the opposite, thought she said <laughs> the opposite, brought the opposite, and was then uh, ta- well given credit for ruining right. the family's Thanksgiving and Christmas because the Christmas card uh, will obviously be – taken care of then i'm trying to decide if this like pullover long sleeve dry fit thing would look like a sweater i could jog in it i could play golf in it 
I could use it as business casual otherwise. I mean, it, it seems like it's good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to tell as listeners. You know, this is something that's kind of a moisture-wicking type of material. It's, it's a little more sporty. I guess if it were me, and I'm assuming your wife is maybe in charge of this photo, she, if, I would just guess that she would not deem this acceptable. No, my wife, if she were in charge of the photo, she'd, she'd be a lot more laid back about it. My right. mom's in charge, and oh. it's got to be done mm-hmm. correctly. So I'm probably screwed. Yeah, I'm actually taking a family photo on Friday morning as well. Just just a terrible weekend for photos. Um, so I mean, I'm deciding with Steve Francis jersey, Sharif Abdurrahim jersey. Are you guys you guys doing a Grizzlies theme this year? Yeah, I think we're going to do Vancouver Grizzlies. So. That's that's awesome. Well, no, I don't know what the theme's going to be. It's it's not going to be pretty. I don't. I asked my dad two days ago and got no response. So I guess it's going to be a Vancouver Grizzlies jersey. The good news is uh, Bryant Big Country Reeves jerseys are available for your your elderly relatives. Right. They'd, they'd be happy. You can like, show them a picture of, of Big Country and be like, "Hey, look, you know, this is you'll, you'll be okay with this." Right. Well, the thing about that is the only place that I'm aware that you can buy those at a, at a reasonable price is from China. Uh, and I don't think my grandparents would be on board with supporting the Chinese economy. They don't know where those jerseys are coming <laughs> from, and I'm sure they could overnight those to you. No, they can't. Well, you, they can, but you have to pay like $90 shipping. So just order like 100 jerseys, and it'll, it'll offset the cost. Okay. Well, if Rotowire covers that, then definitely. Yeah, just check with Pete. I'm sure he'll sign <laughs> off on that. Let's move on to the Saints and Texans. That's uh, one of the Sunday early games. It's a three-point uh, Texans favorite in this one. It's 47 and a half is the over-under, so it's kind of a strange number because the Saints outside of New Orleans aren't always the same offense. We saw that against Washington. Uh, the Texans' defense seems like it's rounding into form. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not buying this as an offensive shootout. I mean, Brian Hoyer is back for the Texans, so he should be able to pick apart that Saints' defense. But I think the Houston defense is good enough to keep Drew Brees and company pretty quiet. Well, Jeff Erickson has Drew Brees at the top of his Week 12 value meter at the quarterback spot. And, and I thought that was a little odd, too. But, you know, I think it's kind of a – especially if you're talking like a DraftKings tournament play, Brees is probably that guy to go to. You know, somebody who can go off for five touchdowns just about any week. But like you said, somebody who could also have a one-touchdown, three-interception performance against this defense. So big game all around, really. I mean, they, obviously the Saints aren't really alive for the NFC South crown, but – if they want to try to claw their way somehow into this wild card race, this is probably a must win for them. Uh, Texans, in a lot of ways, if they want to kind of seize control of the AFC South, they're tied uh, right now with Indianapolis, I believe. And you know, if they want to stay ahead of the Jags, who are certainly on the prowl, welcoming the two win Chargers into Jacksonville this week, it's, it's just an odd. These are two teams that we know aren't good, but are still somewhat in the thick of things in their respective conferences. So. A game that probably shouldn't have much meaning that kind of does. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I think the Texans right now are the most balanced team in the AFC South, but Duvall still hanging around on the prowl, uh, yeah. perpetually we'll on, get the prowl, on the prowl, as you said. Uh, Rams at Bengals. Bengals favored by 8.5, over under at 42 in that game. I think a lot of that has to do with the Rams looking just awful against the Ravens. Case Keenum getting knocked out and still finishing that game because – protocol failure I guess uh, who knows if Keenum actually plays this week I mean I, I don't I don't ever rule anybody out simply because we saw Teddy Bridgewater get knocked out in a game and he was back on the field the very next week I don't even know if it matters though going on the road to Cincinnati this is the game the Bengals get back on track the Rams to. are terrible uh, weird wins I mean the Rams have beat Seattle and they've beaten Arizona um, but some horrendous losses some very bad coaching this season some timely or I guess untimely missed field goals 
this, this offense is just so conservative, so ridiculously conservative to watch. They're punting from their own territory constantly, things like that, or, or you know, opponent's territory uh, in those kind of 50-50 calls. That, what, what does this team have to lose? Why are you playing so, so conservatively each week? Obviously, the quarterback play is a huge issue, but get a feel for Todd Gurley. And what, also, what about the Stedman-Bailey situation? Speaking of the Rams, how, what a bizarre – I don't know. Did you see the story last night? Yeah, the, the news. Shot in the head twice, but in stable condition? Yeah, uh, believed to be a non-life-threatening situation. Which it is, sounded extremely scary, a car pulling up and opening fire. I mean, who knows what, what the situation is behind that. But I just, I mean, how do you come away with two gunshots to the head and are, like, going to be totally fine, it sounds like. Yeah, glad to hear he's doing well because that could have been a lot worse given yeah, the situation there. Uh, no timetable, of course, for him to return. I don't think he'll be back this season. Yeah, he's currently suspended. Yeah, he's yeah, he's out with the suspension right now anyway, so his 2015 season may be over. But definitely good news as far as the, the early indications for Stedman Bailey. Vikings on the road in Atlanta. The Falcons only favored by one, and I, I know it's kind of strange because at home, Atlanta tends to be so strong. They that lost to Tampa Bay a few weeks ago, which at the time looked really bad. But as we've seen since then, the Bucks might be kind of legit. That might not be that bad of a loss when we look back at the 2015 season as a whole, Vikings coming off that loss to Green Bay. What do you expect in this game? Devontae Freeman not going to practice here on Wednesday. He's still in the first phase of the concussion protocol, so there's a decent chance that Tevin Coleman uh, and Teron Ward will have to handle the bulk of the carries this week. We'll know more, of course, as the week progresses. But I actually kind of like the Falcons to, to win this one. Maybe not decisively, but I think they can handle the Vikings. I I don't know. I'm done trusting the Falcons, which means they'll probably win this week. But I mean, you lose you lose at San Francisco to Blaine Gabbert. I think that was kind of the tipping point for me to start questioning if Matt Ryan is really that good. You know, you don't you don't lose that game if you're a good quarterback in this league. Three picks last week against Indianapolis. Matt Hasselbeck outdueling him. I mean, they, they've lost to Jameis Gabbert and Hasselbeck in consecutive weeks, um, kind of losing their grasp on on that first wild card spot. Yeah, obviously with Carolina kind of running away with the division right now. So, <coughs> excuse me, this is a tough matchup. I think when you're looking for a game, they desperately need a rebound right now. I mean, obviously coming off of three straight bad losses, this Vikings team, I think, looking for a rebound of their own after after a big letdown, I think, against Green Bay. That was kind of their game, you know, at home, coming in finally maybe trying to, to assert their dominance over a Packers team that's dominated them, you know, for the better part of the last couple decades. Obviously, they lose big there. So I, I like the Vikings uh, to, to get to get back on track more than I like Atlanta here. I think they're kind of in free fall now. And like I said, that, that loss of the 49ers kind of sewed things up for me. And you, you don't lose to that team and, and recover. Other than that Devonta Freeman injury, both these teams seem to be pretty healthy for Week 12. We'll see if anything pops up over the next couple of days. But mostly full strength, it looks like, for the Vikings and Falcons. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting in Week 12. DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place and a total of $5 million up for grabs. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for a free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Huge matchup in the NFC East because... Everybody's actually still in it as far as the division race goes. Giants two and a half point favorites going on the road to Washington. Over under in that one, 46 and a half. 
talk about teams you don't understand. I mean, the Redskins destroying yeah. the Saints last week was something I didn't see coming, even though, as I mentioned earlier, the Saints are one of those teams that you don't typically like all that much when they're outside of the Superdome. The running back situation seems really strange to me. Alfred Morris is dealing with a, a rib injury, but he practiced fully on Friday. Even if he's 100% healthy going into this game, I don't know how they're going to split the carries between Morris and Matt Jones. I think Matt Jones' most recent fumble finally struck a nerve with Jay Gruden to the point where it seems like there's a good chance Morris could overtake him yet again for that job. Yeah, that, that situation, obviously there's a lot to sort out there. I mean, this this game is one of those that you look at and do you feel great predicting one way or the other? I mean, would you be shocked if the Giants kind of rolled him here? Would you be shocked if Kirk Cousins kind of rebounded after last week and, and got back into the form that we saw from him two weeks ago? I don't know. I mean, this is this is maybe the biggest game as far as division implications goes in, in this week. And, you know, the Giants sitting at 5-5, five and five, the Redskins at 4-6. and six. Um, I guess looking at these two teams, Dallas is at the bottom right now, and we, we just talked about them. We know that they're a different team now with Romo and Des back, Philadelphia firmly up in the air at this point. But which of these two teams do you think is the better team right now or, or has the better shot to, to eventually seize control of this division over the next three or four weeks? I think it is still the Giants. I mean, I, I look at them, and they're somewhat healthy. They it's just kind the of, stability that they have, I think. Yeah, they've figured it out without Victor Cruz. I mean, they've got Dwayne Harris kind of effective in that number two receiver role. And obviously Ruben Randall could be healthier coming out of the bye as well. So, you know, two and three at receivers seem to be pretty set with those two guys. Beckham's not repeating what he did as a rookie, of course, but he's playing at a pretty high level. They're going to be without Larry Donnell Sunday, most likely, because there's a, a troubling result on an MRI taken on his neck. So that doesn't sound troubling good. Result. That doesn't sound good for this week or anything in the near future at all, just given uh, the possible severity of a neck injury like that. Uh, but I don't think that's going to significantly change their offense. I think Will Ty is the guy they'll use to fill in. They've got... You've got so much. Two teams. Could, could there be a matchup of two teams right now that have less clarity in their running back situation? Maybe the Giants and Lions would be an uglier running back matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Bad. There's there's quite a few of those situations, honestly, right now. Um, the Browns come to mind as one of those teams. Horrible. The, uh, even I mean, the Dolphins, despite having a good. Pretty proven running back in Lamar Miller. They what was what was the total? He never seems to get over fourteen carries. Um, I mean, there 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 is no shortage of, of running back issues. Even the Jets have kind of uh, fallen back into a rut after Chris Ivory got out to that hot start. He got hurt. I think it was in the London game, maybe week five or week six, and he hasn't really been the same since then. The Niners are are a mess at, at that position as well. So, and even the Ravens too. I think we can throw in there with, with uh, Justin Forsett's arm just kind of snapping last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this could this could get pretty ugly from that perspective. Yeah, arm snapping definitely uh, happens. Really uh, hope to see none of that this week. No, definitely would, could go a long time without seeing that happen again. Bucks on the road in Indianapolis. Colts favored by three in this one. I think every week I look at the Colts and especially with Andrew Luck and the dysfunction they've had there. They're three and zero without him though. I'm, but I'm warming up to the idea that the Bucks are actually a good team and they can go on the road and win this game. I would like to think that. Yeah, I think Jameis has been extremely underrated uh, this season. I think we talked about this on the Monday pod. You know, we got off of that rough start, and obviously people are a little bit predisposed to not liking Jameis Winston, so I think his, his mistakes are a little bit more under the microscope than a guy like Marcus Mariota's. But, I mean, quietly uh, before last week, you know, that five-touchdown performance, quietly before that, he's been really good. And this team's 5-5, five and five, and 
I think they they're one game behind Atlanta. I mean, looking at it from that perspective, do you think they can catch the Falcons, especially if the Falcons slip up this week against Minnesota? Like I think they will, and the Buccaneers are able to beat the Colts on the road. They're both sitting at six and five at that point. I think they can push the Falcons for a wild card spot, but I, I think the loser of the Packers and Vikings we talked about Monday. That's one of the wild cards. No one from the East gets one. Nope. The West could I don't be. Know, it, it, it's to me, it's like Seahawks, Falcons, Bucks. Like those are the those are yeah. the three teams. I, th- I think if I had to go it. with it, what are the Seahawks right now? Five and five. They're five and five. Yeah. It's. I mean, they're clearly. Even, even, they're one of those teams that you know, record regardless. You still look at them as a step above a team like the Falcons or the Buccaneers. So. I mean, schedule dependent maybe more than anything in this situation, but I think I would go with Seattle if you're picking from those three. I want to see if Frank Gore is actually healthy enough to play. He didn't practice on Wednesday with a knee injury, um, and it's a, a rare rest day for Gore. So we'll, we'll see you know, if, if this turns into something more serious. If it does, I think Ahmad Bradshaw obviously picks up a ton of extra value in the short term. A lot of running backs available on the waiver wire this week. It's kind of a rare to see that many options open up as late as week 12 bills on the road facing off against the chiefs chiefs favored by six over under in that one only 41 and a half uh, you look at the bills coming off a disappointing loss to the patriots if only because they had plenty of chances to actually win that game on monday night tyrod taylor a limited participant in practice on wednesday is dealing with shoulder and seemingly like a collarbone issue but they're listing shoulder only so did you catch the end of that game yeah because he was i mean he was hampered throughout that fourth quarter you could tell they were warming up ej Manuel, and then tyrod took a huge blindside hit on that final possession just got completely smoked and popped right up like i thought that was like i was thinking like oh my god this season might be over the way he was kind of feeling out that shoulder so yeah, I mean, I guess that hit alone kind of showed me like maybe maybe it's just more discomfort than anything else. You know, t- you take a hit like that, you'd like to think, um, or not like to think, I guess, but you would think that 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 would probably knock him out of the game at that point when it looked like he might be coming out anyway. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess I, I'm again, we, we've been over this. I'm not a doctor. Uh, You're but, not. But a I, doctor? Do, I, would, I would think more positively about Tyrod's situation. Uh, right now at this point in the week but I mean it's still early if Tracy McGrady opened up a medical school would you would you go attend like the McGrady School of Medicine could you would you I apply mean, I, immediately I really don't know if that's going to happen but yeah I think so I think if he opened up a school of anything really yeah right I, I, I could see getting on board with that maybe I think he needs to work on like the school of like tailoring really I mean have you seen the photo that's gone around from he used to go on NBA TV every now and then and just wore these suits that were like way too big huge yeah like pants were so baggy they were like covering his shoes basically (laughs) the equivalent of like jinko jeans but in a suit was he buying off the rack for suits and not getting anything i don't know i think he's i mean he's he's kind of a 90s guy at heart so i think he's kind of hanging on to like the baggier trends uh Hmm. of the past i'll show you a quick picture things are a lot more fitted now when it comes (laughs) to clothes and they were wow well this was all resurfaced because he went back he was on nba tv last week and had a tailored suit so people you know people remember whoa whoa trace mcgrady finally got a tailor Um, I, I just wonder if, like, last minute they, they said, hey, we'd like to have you on. He's like, oh, okay, sure, I'll come on. And he went to put on a suit, and it was from a few years ago and didn't mm-hmm. fit. Had to go buy one, didn't have time to get yep. it fixed. And then and then that. Parachute pants. Right, so yeah, Google Tracy McGrady's suit, and, and you'll see what we're talking about if you're interested in that. And I imagine all of you will I'm be. sure you are. On the Chiefs side of this Bills-Chiefs matchup, Sharkandrick West has that hamstring injury. He did not practice on Wednesday, so Spencer Ware – of some interest, at least on the waiver wire. We'll see what happens with West over the next couple of days. Uh, Chiefs otherwise pretty healthy for the most part at the skill positions. I know you're going to watch this game really closely on Sunday. 
The Raiders going on the road to Tennessee. Uh, Raiders favored by one and a half. Over-unders only 44. After that game against Detroit last week, I just don't know what to make of Oakland anymore. It's completely flipped my world upside down. I was just getting on board with the idea that they were becoming right. uh, an above-average offense, and now I don't know what they are. They're a fun team, too. You know, It was kind of David Carr, or not, geez, Derek Carr. I think he was a fun quarterback to watch. I think he's, he's a guy that you want to root for. Um, you know, they come off that loss to the Steelers, and you know, it was a, a big Ben played well in that game, and it was uh, you know a high scoring affair, and they, they ended up losing. But it was kind of a statement game for Oakland that you know we can hang with these kind of teams. We've kind of arrived, and I think a lot of people kind of treated it almost as a win for Oakland in a lot of ways. Um, but since then, I mean, things have really kind of gone in the tank. They lose to Minnesota. Obviously, they lose last week to Detroit, and just like that, the Raiders of old are back. Yeah, Raiders of old rearing their ugly heads yet again. Uh, health-wise, they seem to be okay at this point. Now, Tennessee, they're another team. They're kind of better than they were with Joe Philbin. Or not Joe Philbin, I should say uh, Ken Wisenhunt. Both miserable coaches. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with David Cobb because Antonio Andrews continues to flash some semblance of being useful, but I don't think they even really believe in that. I think Cobb, once he gets fully up to speed in the offense, could be the guy going down the stretch. If you miss out on the running back bonanza on the waiver wire this week, he might be one to pick up on the cheat before he starts getting that increased role. Do you think this is going to be David Cobb's job next year? Or the way this Titans team is trending, I mean, they're going to get a top five pick most likely. Do you think you probably don't target the running back position there, but you know maybe in the second round you start to look at that again. I mean, Bishop Sankey is kind of flamed out already. Um, Marcus Mariota obviously in need of some weapons. I mean, if, if, if we're looking ahead for Tennessee, are they going to try to add skill positions, you think? I think they could use almost everything. They can. I mean, yeah, they, I think the running back issue is, is a mess right now. I mean, you have guys like Cobb and Sankey that you have investments in, and yet it's Antonio Andrews. Cobb was only a fifth-round pick, though. He was just yeah. part of a deep class of running That's backs. True. That's true. So at least their investment in him isn't as much as it was in Sankey. I think Sankey's running out of time. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think they'd be likely to bring in maybe a veteran to have compete with David Cobb or to work in tandem with him, and that'd be a more likely outcome. I don't think they'd use an early draft pick on a running back, though, this year. I think they'd be pretty patient as far as looking uh, down. Yeah, they're going to be too high up unless you'd maybe trade back. And, you know, that's all speculation at this point. But, yeah, they're they're a bit of a mess. And I continue to feel good about my Titans fewer than six wins bet in Vegas. Yeah, when how many weeks away are you from locking that in? Uh, like well, they, they get one more against the Jags, so that's a loss. Um, that'll put them at... Strong. <laughs> uh, what, what are they at right now? I'm sorry, I don't have the standings page pulled up. Uh, here we go. So they're at 2-8. 2-8. and, eight. Two and eight. So basically they need to go They need to go 4-2 and two over these next six. I don't think that's happening. Well, they, you push at six, right? Six is the number, so you, you took the under on six? I took the under on... Or was it five, five and, and a half? It was five and a half. Okay, so they get to six, you do lose. Right. I think hmm. I, I think they'll go th- okay Raiders this week that's a loss Jags lost at Jets at Patriots they'll lose those two yeah. so even if they ran the table <laughs> they did to run the <laughs> table against going through the, the Raiders Jags Texans and Colts yep and you've got you've got like ten grand on this uh, I think I, I think I bet twenty to win like forty seven okay. or something like that yeah. so not a lot. Hey, well, that's that's still a good bet, and that's like a case Three and money. a half of hams. So yeah, exactly. That's multiple cases of hams. Chargers at Jags. Uh, Jags favored by four in this one. Who'd have thought going into the year that San Diego would be a four-point underdog going yeah. into Duval? 
I know. I'm still scared about this one. I mean, I, I, I generally don't like the Jags when they're going against a superior quarterback. Um, you know, the games they tend to win, you know, they, they beat the Jets earlier this year. Or, excuse me, they didn't beat the Jets. They beat the, the Bills. They've beaten Baltimore, you know, teams like that that have kind of middling to struggling quarterbacks at the time. And good quarterbacks tend to pick apart this defense a little bit better, even if they're devoid of weapons like Phillip Rivers is. And even if Antonio Gates is threatening to beat up Phillip Rivers on the sideline, like what happened last week. Uh, so in my mind, hopefully, hopefully more of that happens, hopefully more dissension among, amongst the, the Chargers ranks. But yeah, this, this line, Jackson, Jacksonville by four, I don't know if I love that. Uh, I would almost be tempted to, to pick San Diego in this one. I think the Jags are due for a loss. They're kind of playing with house money right now with two straight wins. Well, a little surprised that the Gates-Rivers relationship fell into that. Uh, that's just... Well, after the game, they both downplayed it. And, you know, we're both competitive. We're both, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're upset about the struggles, whatever. But, I mean, you could see Gates' mouth like, I'm going to blank you up on the sideline. I don't know if you've seen the video. Like, it was, it was something. Awesome. Um, practice reports here early on. It looks like Malcolm Flood is actually on the field for hey. Wednesday's practice. We'll see if he's able to do enough to get – on the field this weekend. Otherwise, the Chargers seem to be reasonably healthy. They just can't run block. So Melvin Gordon has been a disappointment. Danny Woodhead has struggled in recent weeks a little bit, although overall he's been a huge source of value this year. Jags seem to be pretty healthy. Any concern about Alan Hearns with that abdominal injury? I mean, he had a pretty disappointing game against Tennessee. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, well, the thing with him is kind of he's been a touchdown guy more than anything. You know, not putting up huge yardage totals, but he was kind of bailing fantasy owners out with, with those seven straight touchdowns and seven straight games. But the, there was it was kind of an odd uh, appearance on the injury report with him. He's been listed with I think it was a hamstring slash knee issue pretty much every week, and it was kind of one of those. Um, you know, he's listed, but you know he's going to play. And, yeah, he shows up with an abdominal injury this week. But then Coach Gus Bradley says, oh, yeah, we knew about this injury before the game. He visited with a specialist. That was all planned before the game or something. So he, he knowingly had this abdominal injury, played through it, and then still met with a specialist. But Bradley said it didn't get any worse. So I guess, again, not a doctor. Dr. Um, Gus Bradley. Yeah, well, Dr. Whalen here. I, I would say I'm not too concerned about it. The Jags didn't seem too concerned about it. But that said, he's probably still not going to be completely 100%. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. Kind of glazed over this when we were talking about the Titans, by the way. A couple injuries that may shake things up in terms of targets and carries. Dexter McCluster is expected to miss two to three weeks after suffering a knee injury in that game. It's killing my road away. Thursday. It's, it's huge for you in one of the staff <laughs> leagues. It seriously leagues. is. I, I had to go out and pick up, I don't even know who. I think I picked up Niall Davis. Ooh, it's a deep league. It's Niall deep Davis league. isn't going to play. But he was Well, he was like the only other option, I think. <laughs> Kendall Wright is also expected to return for Sunday's game, so... Ugh target uh, distribution should be altered accordingly uh, dolphins going on the road to face the jets jets three and a half point favors again favorites against the fighting dan campbells w- what do you think here i mean Darrell revis apparently wasn't feeling any better monday after having a concussion sunday so we'll see where he's at in the protocol over the course of the week ryan fitzpatrick still starting at quarterback for the jets no changes there according to todd bulls uh, the dolphins seem reasonably healthy right now but they're kind of in that New York Giants folder of teams that I'm not really sure of what they are week to week yeah yeah absolutely I think the Giants are probably the the pristine example uh, of that right now and I don't I mean who knows that's both of these teams are are so much up in the air the Jets kind of look like one of those teams that were thinking you know maybe they could challenge the Patriots not for the division but you know at least give them a run for their money and, and maybe we'll see that later this season 
Um, but yeah, falling back to five and five, some kind of puzzling losses. A team that seemed to be responding pretty well uh, to the switch over to Todd Bowles earlier in the year. There were reports now this week that he uh, he was pretty fired up in the locker room uh, following that loss to the Texans on Sunday, trying to light a fire under this team. Um, but yeah, I mean, two straight losses, one of them in division to the Bills and then at Houston. And maybe that Houston loss doesn't look as bad as it would have five weeks ago, but at the same time, I, I think most people were under the impression that this Jets team was better than that. Yeah, it's still going to be able to take care of business, I think, in a game like that one. Uh, but uh, the Jets, I think, still could get in as an AFC wild card. They're in the hunt, at least, as they like to say. Cards, 10.5-point favorites on the road at San Francisco. I mean, the difference a year or two makes is astonishing. Talk about a, a franchise that's just been down in the dumps all of a sudden after being uh, almost a perennial Super Bowl contender throughout most of Jim Harbaugh's time in San Francisco. Yeah, this this team has certainly fallen, uh, that, that's for sure. Uh, and the Blaine Gabbard era off to a roaring 1-1 one one start. Um, but yeah, this line is kind of interesting to me because the Seahawks opened at, weren't they like 13 or 14 point favorites? Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, for my money, obviously this one is at San Francisco, but there's three points right there. Just the, right, at least yeah. three. So I think Seattle might even get three, it might even get three and a half or four. Right. But I mean, like, I think the Cardinals are like a noticeably better team than Seattle. So I thought, I thought this line could have easily been 13 or 14, even though they're on the road. Yeah. I'm kind of with you there. I think Arizona's pretty healthy right now. As a team, we'll see if any of the receivers miss time during practice later in the week. Again, rotowire.com slash pod and get a free 10-day trial. Keep tabs on all the latest injury info. Uh, the Niners seem like they'll be without Carlos Hyde again. He's not going to practice on Wednesday. Hasn't really been able to do anything. He's dealing with a stress fracture in his foot. Given how poorly this season has gone for the franchise, it seems like it makes almost no sense at all to try to push Hyde back out into the field. No, no, not at all. I think the Niners should be firmly playing uh, for that number one or number two pick right now. The problem with that is, you know, we talked a little bit about this draft. There really aren't, there's not a, a prize or even two prizes like there were last year with Jameis or, or Winston. I, I don't, or Jameis or Mariota. I don't think that there's a quarterback that's even close to that right now. And this is clearly, clearly, excuse me, a team that needs a quarterback. I think they're ready to move on from Colin Kaepernick. Um, so maybe that partially plays into it you know obviously they'll still be able to add a very good player at whatever position they choose at the top of the draft should they get there but I guess the fact that there isn't a big prize right there possibly waiting for them maybe maybe is causing them to to avoid the tanking strategy and I don't, I'm not going to imply that that's going to force them to play Carlos Hyde through injury or anything like that but I just don't know that like the the real motivation is there to lose as much as it as it could be I think they're just utterly clueless as a front office and they've also had pretty heavy offseason of retirements and mm-hmm. players leaving so yeah that, it's like in, in hindsight maybe this isn't as surprising yeah you know, as as it's kind of been yeah it's well there's the coaching aspect too though like Clearly, Harbaugh's a good coach because you can see it how quickly he's turned things around at Michigan. And I don't know if Tamasula is a bad coach, a very bad coach, an Pretty average bad. coach, below average. I don't even know where to put him on the scale. I think he he tops out at average. Right when like things a ten go, out of ten would be average. Things are when things are going well for him, average. But uh, wow, what a transformation for San Francisco Steelers and Seahawks in Seattle. Seattle favored by three and a half, over under 45. Mentioned Marshawn Lynch earlier and what I assume to be an affinity for Skittles pie. Uh, he's going to have plenty of time to eat Skittles pie. He actually had his sports hernia surgery on Wednesday morning, and it's likely that he'll be sidelined until late December. 
probably not an IR situation, uh, but a case where maybe he gets back for the postseason. If you're listening to this and Thomas Rawls is somehow available in your league, go all in and get Thomas Rawls. He is someone that will make a huge difference for you down the stretch. Yeah, I was able to claim him on on Sunday morning with uh, in, in my hometown league, which maybe the guys probably aren't paying attention quite as much. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure he's probably out there on some waiver wires, maybe not quite so much after that huge performance last week, but he was a guy that kind of a lot of people had written off. I mean, he turned in a couple of good weeks when Lynch was out earlier in the season and kind of thrown thrown back onto the waiver wire. So like you said, yeah, if he's somehow still out there, certainly you want to grab him. This isn't just a, a kind of a one-game wonder type of guy either, I don't think. I mean, you hear the team talk about him, just everybody rave reviews, kind of a mini beast mode, a guy who's kind of been able to learn under Marshawn Lynch, a similar running style. So I don't it's not quite Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, but I think it's that kind of situation where Seattle could do a heck of a lot worse than having this guy as their backup option. Yeah, he's going to be a top 10 back, I think, as long as he's a starter for Seattle this season. Uh, Pittsburgh, in this matchup, you'd think initially that you don't necessarily want to load up on uh, their skill position guys. If you're playing on DraftKings, you wouldn't want to use Roethlisberger or D'Angelo Williams or Antonio Brown because the Seattle defense is pretty tough, but and over under a 45 is right in line with most of the other games this week. And I, I think coming off a week of rest, especially a healthier version of Roethlisberger can only be good for this offense. And we've also seen Seattle struggle to cover tight ends. I have to wonder if as a GPP option, if Heath Miller might be worth consideration or as a deep streaming option, even in season long leagues. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, especially, I mean, he's been a decent option all year, but yeah, especially against a defense that has struggled against tight ends, like you said, I, I think, I think that's certainly the case. I was having a debate with my with a friend the other day of who's the, what's the best receiving core in the league, and you know, we we kind of went through and had our differences, I guess. But is the Steelers' receiving core when healthy the best? Brown and Bryant would be definitely in the conversation. I, I think Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders with a good quarterback yeah. would would be in that conversation yep. too. Uh, you could look at in Green Bay when Nelson was healthy. Nelson Cobb not worth really throwing them in there right now. I, I think. Man, even Megatron and Golden Tate would be Yeah, that was close. kind of the one. That was the one that my friend was going with. And I think maybe last year that was a stronger argument. But, yeah, it is odd that there's not, like, one dominant receiving core I don't think that you can look to right now. What about Arizona, though? It's not really a duo, but it's more just the depth they've got. We saw J.J. Nelson just go crazy. John Brown, obviously Fitzgerald. John Brown could stretch the field. Michael Floyd still there. Fitzgerald's Travis there. Travis Benjamin and Gary Barnage in Cleveland. Well, you can't overlook them. What about, hey, you, you, you intentionally asked me this just so we could talk Jags again. This is all about Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. Uh, what? Is, that's what this question's about. No, no, of course not. I Although that you could make the case, I guess if you wanted to go numbers wise, you maybe could. But and even if you're throwing in the tight end position, you could do a lot worse than Julius Thomas. Unfortunately, they have Blake Bortles throwing them the ball. Yeah, that, that's. I, the I have nothing to say after that. <laughs> uh, I thought that there was more. Nope. Um, DeAndre Hopkins plus anybody would be pretty yep. good, just because Hopkins is awesome. Yep. But it is a lack of depth there. Julio and Roddy White a couple years ago probably had an argument. That, that was pretty great back yep. when that was fun when it worked. How about Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker? They they tend to be kind of overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. Marshall's had a nice rebound year. Marshall's playing like this. Marshall's playing well. Decker, it's always just gets underrated. It seems I, yep. I I like what he brings to the table quite a bit. Uh, moving on to the Patriots and Broncos. Patriots three point favorites going into Denver. Over under in that one down at forty three and a half. A sprained knee for Danny Amendola, so I'd say he's very much questionable. He's considered week-to-week right now, so maybe even on the more doubtful side of questionable as we record this year on Wednesday afternoon. 
Yeah, that'd be a big hit because it looked like he was just going to take most of Edelman's targets, even more targets than I expected based on the way Buffalo matched up with them. But I think part of it was that Buffalo has the physical linebackers necessary to be to be a, a really aggressive defense with Gronk. You could see that throughout the Monday night game. I wonder if other teams are going to have more issues with Gronk than Buffalo does. Even though teams know they've got fewer weapons to deal with, I have to wonder if, if things are going to start going through Rob Gronkowski a lot more over the next couple of weeks. Right, and it's, and it's not like the Patriots aren't looking for him now. You know, It's not like they, they don't just throw him out there as a decoy, but you know, teams cover him so closely and always make sure that they know where he is that it, it is hard. You don't want to just ask Brady to force it to him. But, I mean, if Amendola is sitting out, like they might really not have much of a choice. Maybe get more creative with him, split him out a little bit more than they've been doing, or, and just move him around the field and, and try to keep the defense guessing because, I mean, they really are running out of options here. I mean, maybe... Maybe Tom Brady does need to be downgraded in season long just for the next couple of weeks yeah, until no knock on they figure him, it out. But. No, it's just the absence of weapons is, is extreme right now. It's LaFell and Gronk and maybe some other guys like Chris Harper or Keyshawn Martin potentially. Because Aaron Dobson is dealing with a high ankle sprain. We mentioned Amendola. Edelman's obviously out until the end of December. Uh, this is an offense that's really just been picked apart recently. James White had a pretty big game. On Monday, given the aggressive nature of that Denver defense, do you expect James White to be heavily involved as a pass catcher this week? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe not heavily involved, but I do think he can. I mean, we've seen the Patriots maybe more than anyone else, other than the, the mid 2000s Broncos, just plugging and playing running backs, and especially the, those running backs have been effective in the passing game. I think James White profiles similarly to Deion Lewis, not as shifty. Uh, you know, not a guy who's quite as laterally quick, but he might be more straight line quick. And we saw him get into the end zone uh, this past week. So I, I think he'll certainly be a part of the game. And they're not – Bill Belichick's never scared to throw these guys in. He's, he's not going to change up his offense because he doesn't have some of his stars available. I, I think that's not the way he operates. So they're going to treat James White just like he's any other back in this system. And, you know, if, if, he, if he can break a couple tackles here and there, I think he could be a strong play. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. As far as Brock Osweiler goes, do you expect the, the volume to be there – I mean, can you see this game getting over the 43-and-a-half to the point where Osweiler might have to throw it 35 times? I, if it gets over 43-and-a-half, that's going to be because of New England, right? I mean, I think Denver's going to keep playing this kind of conservative style. We saw Osweiler go 20 of 27 on Sunday, but nine of those completions were to the tight ends. I mean, it's, it's something you see all the time with these inexperienced quarterbacks. You, know, you trust the shorter throws. You, t- you trust the the dump down to the tight ends, and that's not the way to score big points. So I think if New England's going to be able to crack this Denver defense, then we might see the points. But I think I think the Patriots maybe will play it a little more conservatively themselves and maybe be fine if they can escape with a you know, 23-10 to 10 type, of, type of game. That'd be a pretty nice win at Denver, given how tough right. Denver has been this year. Obviously, we're saving the best for last, that being the Monday night game coming up. Ravens and Browns. We're going to talk about it again probably on the Monday morning pod too. Browns favored by two and a half at home using Josh McCown over Johnny Manziel because Manziel apparently was singing a future song while you know drinking champagne. <laughs> How is that not scoring points with your coach if you're singing future? Do you think Mike Pettin is a future fan? Uh, judging from the looks of him, no. No, Never probably know. not. Are you, are you a future fan? I, I, do I... Based on you appearance, you also don't look like somebody who would be going to a whatever rave show thing you were at. Oh, the Zed show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm complex. I hope. I, yeah, I, I try to be complex. 
Clay Link, uh, the great Clay Link of Rotowire, is a huge future fan. So if you have any any future related inquiries, direct them to him. Yeah, at Clay W Link on Something Twitter, like he would love questions about WWE yep. and or future. It would yep. Probably make his uh, his week if he started just getting a flood of questions from mm-hmm. the thousands of you listening to this pod out there. I have nothing to say about this game. I Matt Schaub starting for the Ravens. Buck Allen, of course, if he's available. He'd be the number two back for me behind Thomas Rawls. Uh, I just think he's going to get volume. He's going to catch passes. Tressman's offense usually dumps it down to running backs anyway. They don't have a lot of pass-catching options. Probably going to see a lot of two tight end sets again from them. I think having McCown over uh, over Johnny Manziel is a slight bump up for Gary Barnage, but Barnage had a good game against the Steelers when Manziel started this anyway. This be an absolute disaster. Uh, I, you, know, can, I picked up the Browns' defense in a league just as like a, uh, on like a flyer. You know, I think they're bottom three in the league in, yard, in yardage, bottom five in points, something like that. But with Matt Schaub and this horrendous receiving core uh, of Baltimore and without their starting running back, I mean, this is going to be an absolute clown fest on Monday night. It is going to be a clown fest, and Mike Tirico knew it too because yep. at least twice he just asked John Gruden, do you like football? And John responded like, I love football, Mike. You know, and... <laughs> Tell you what. And then he just goes, well, we're going to Cleveland next week. Yeah. I, this is one you wish they could flex. I mean, come on. Even at the beginning of the season, did this seem like it would be a big game? Some of them you could see, you know, that there's been some underwhelming matchups and, you know, teams have disappointed, whatever it might be. But uh, this is one that, like, what do you do in NFL? Well, you look at the Eagles, Packers, Panthers, and Cowboys all being in the Thursday slate. I think that's got this something is a nice to do slate, with though. choosing, like, kind of picking apart the options. There. I, Patriots Broncos, if that's on, you know, for the Sunday night game, the Steelers Seahawks game should be the Monday night game. That'd be the one I'd want to yep. see most. I think, yeah, I think Steelers Seahawks is one I'm looking forward to watching a lot. Vikings at Falcons is going to be a lot of fun. Even Buccaneers Colts. I mean, there are even though some of the matchups on paper are underwhelming, there are a lot of games with implications this week. So even if you don't, even if they're not going to be the prettiest games, you know, Bills Chiefs is one of those. Yeah, there's going to be things at stake. Yeah, the only really stupid game on the schedule is the Cards Niners, and the Cards yep. need to like win games for home field advantage yep. implications. This is a so. nightmare week for Pickham. Yeah, I found it that is, out it last is. night. I I went through and I'm putting like ten points on the Jets beating the Dolphins. Games like that, you, you just don't really have a choice this week. That that sounds like a great situation to have to deal with. No, 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 no. It's it's going to be a bloodbath. So. I'm looking at this Thursday slate because there are some contests on DraftKings that are focused only on Thursdays. Well, the best part though, about the optimizer is it it takes the responsibility out of it. If you if you do poorly, you can blame the optimizer. You don't have to blame yourself. Right. Blame the page for giving you the wrong the wrong lineup. Right. So it does recommend Stafford at 5800, which again I, I think you look at the pricing on quarterbacks. You're going to pay 7400 if you want Aaron Rodgers. You're saving 1600 dollars there. Gets you Demarco Murray with Jonathan Stewart, Lacey. As another flex option, then Bryant, Megatron, Tate, Olsen, and the Dallas defense, which I'm not crazy about the Dallas defense, but at 2100 you're saving some money there, so that opens up that extra offense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, if you're just going to play that that Thursday slate, there are, there are quite a few options. And do you think that's going to be a pretty popular game this week? It sold out last year on DraftKings. I tried oh, really? getting into one of the tournaments. I think it was the $10 or $20 tournament, and it was selling out an hour before the games kicked off. I didn't even get a spot. So Interesting. definitely would recommend uh, doing that Wednesday night as opposed to Thursday morning if you definitely want to get in on it. Um, if you do build around Aaron Rodgers, though, you, you can have quality players. I mean, this, this slate has enough depth where there's a lot of different ways you can tackle it. Some years there's games that offensively are going to be such tire fires on the Thursday slate that you have to stay away from them completely. 
and then with that, you're kind of building the same lineups as everybody else. I don't feel like that's a problem this year. No, no, not necessarily. I think there are quite a few options, especially if Alshon Jeffrey gets ruled in. Uh, that could be certainly an interesting play at the receiver position. That is maybe the the spot that you're going to have to to take a few risks, though. Like Whether Jeffrey's in or not, like which of these Packers receivers do you trust anymore? I don't know. Uh, Des Bryant, obviously, probably the most you know the most obvious play of any. The Panthers certainly aren't rich at the position. The Lions have two, but they both underwhelmed. Eagles, you know, we just talked about Jordan Matthews, looked like a number one receiver for about a week and a half, uh, and ever since then, not so much. So, it's I think that's where the money's going to be made and lost. I think this week is is what receivers you're able to to kind of guess in a lot of ways i guess which are going to be the most productive even even in a productive offense like green bay yeah finding that uh, optimal combination i think for the thursday slate will be the challenging part but i think the running backs and the pricing it all balances out you can almost go with any combination of quarterback and running back and still find three receivers that you feel okay about as far as the entire week 12 slate uh, running the optimizer for that just to get a look at some names that that might jump out as possible sources of value Drew Brees does come up as the default quarterback at 7,300. LaShawn McCoy is only 5,300. He's looked really good over the last few weeks, and I think part of the appeal there is that you may have low ownership simply because going up against that Chiefs defense, there's going to be some fear. The Chiefs defense looks like a top-five unit overall. I think McCoy at 5,300 is a very nice underpriced option. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think he's... I think he's kind of back after you know strong start to the year, and then was banged up for a couple of weeks, kind of slid away you know from a lot of people's minds. Uh, but yeah, he, I mean he's certainly back. And this Buffalo offense, if Tyrod Taylor's healthy, has been underratedly productive. And yeah, tough to trust on a week to week basis. But like you said, at that price, I think probably low ownership. That's certainly a strong play. What do you think about your guy T.J. Yeldon, forty eight hundred going up against San Diego, and that's a San Diego defense that was porous against Spencer Ware last week <laughs> yeah that's true I, I you know as a as a jag supporter i kind of hope that carries over you know it, it, i think they got down early in that one and there might have been some some giving up in a lot of ways but yeah i mean the carries have been there for yelda and that's what i like to see you know even even though the yardage totals have been in the 50s and 60s over the last few weeks 14 carries 18 carries 14 carries had 20 carries against buffalo in that big game 115 yards in london so you know a, a lot of times if you're just kind of trying to to mitigate the risk you want to look at guys who are guaranteed to get those 14 or 15 carries and I think if Yeldon goes into this week healthy that's probably what we're going to see a few other names I, I like let's go on position by position here for week 12 Brian Hoyer is only 5,000 with a home game against the Saints that to me is is really intriguing I think I'd be more inclined to build around him at least in a GPP just to free up money at the other positions uh, at the running back spot Todd Gurley's 7500 He's still the most expensive back on there. I, just, I don't think I'm paying for him right now simply because I, I don't trust the quarterback play. I think he'll get his. He'll get his 24 to 28 carries and probably get you close to 100 yards. I just I don't know if you're going to get much of a profit on him at that price. Thomas Rawls, though, is the must-play on DraftKings this week. He's 4500 price, obviously not reflecting that new role just yet. Pittsburgh's defense is good, but that price is low enough where I'm not going with the fade, even though I think ownership's going to be extremely high. Right, ownership's going to be sky high, but this is one of those situations where you could try to go against the grain and then he'll burn you for 150 yards and then you're kind of eliminated by that. A few other names that I would point out, though. James White is an even 3000 If you buy into the idea that Denver's pass rush will cause the Patriots to check it down to James White a lot, that could be a decent play as a flex option or a second running back, depending on how you want to use the flex. Otherwise, if Spencer Ware gets the start, got to again track the status of Charkandrick West. 
Spencer Ware is only thirty eight hundred dollars. I think that's a pretty nice play. I mentioned Yeldon before at forty eight hundred. Uh, Buck Allen's only forty six hundred. I mean, we've talked about the Browns off and on throughout the year as a, a very bad run defense. I think this is a great spot for Allen to make that start. Uh, Doug Martin's only fifty eight hundred, coming off a huge game last week, getting the Colts on the road. It should be a close game, plenty of points on both sides. I think he's interesting. The only concern there, ownership rate likely to be pretty high, especially with all the attention he'll get coming off the 200-plus yard game against the Eagles. And then Sean Drone, who's getting a a lot of volume right now for San Francisco. The only concern you have there is if Arizona gets up big and the Niners have to abandon the run, Drone's carries could go down. He's only 3,800 this week. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the big fear, uh, I think, with San Francisco. But we did talk about that and that they're they're in a position where – you know they don't really have a ton to play for and you really want Blaine Gabbert slinging it around 45 times I, mean, I don't know if they view him as their quarterback of the future as you know kind of a grooming opportunity or whatever it might be um so yeah I mean I, I think I like Sean Duran or Drone, whatever it is at that price regardless of what the result of this game ends up being on the receiver side Martavis Bryant at 5600 I don't think he'll see much Richard Sherman I think Sherman's going to be on Antonio Brown a lot uh, but I'm, I just think Martavis Bryant's matchup proof at this point. 5600 is a nice price there. Brandon LaFell at 4300 looks good on the surface, and maybe he can actually be useful at that price, but Aqib Tlaib might be on him all game, so it might just be the other Patriots pass catchers doing the damage there. Uh, Tyler Lockett coming off a 2-TD game at 3000 might draw some interest. I'm going to pass there. I think he does his work mostly against really bad secondaries like San Francisco. Maybe a guy that will have more value in year two, but I think he's going to be very inconsistent from week to week. Not crazy about him against the Steelers. Uh, Brandon Cooks is 6400 I think that's an okay price, but not going to be aggressive there. Um, other names that maybe stand out a little, like I guess Stevie Johnson. People were in on him last week. Didn't really happen. 4500 against Jacksonville. Seems like a pretty good spot. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And What do you think about Devontae Adams this week? A guy who, in that disappointing loss to Detroit, didn't get in the end zone, but racked up a ton of targets, uh, 21 targets in that game, had only 10 catches. But then he comes back into Minnesota, just three receptions for 36 yards. I mean, against what's the worst Chicago defense, is he the best option if you're going to target a Packer to maybe pair with Aaron Rodgers? I just go after Cobb and pay up. I mean, Cobb's 6,500, uh, so you're going to save a little on Devontae Adams. But I, I just, I'm just i worried that the ankle is going to limit the number of snaps he plays. It's a big part of why we saw so much more from James Jones this week and even if Adams is feeling better than he did Sunday it might be just enough to make both he and James Jones inconsistent or producing at a level below expectations Uh, one more position to get to here the tight end spot assuming you don't want to pay up for Gronk I mean if you're going to play in a contest that includes Thursdays Brent Selleck's only 3,200 but Zach Ertz out I think that offers up some value Travis Kelsey at 4700 seems like a pretty fair price, and Gary Barnage at 4800 I don't really see anybody on the super cheap range that I like. I guess Heath Miller maybe for the deep GPPs at 3100 is worth thinking about. Yeah, I think both of the Denver tight ends, the thing is you kind of have to choose between both of them because they use them both, Vernon Davis and Owen Daniels. I think they're going to continue to see big target numbers with Osweiler back there, but again, like I said, that's kind of a risk over you know which one is going to end up having the bigger performance. Do they end up splitting snaps? Uh, so maybe a position you want to avoid there. Jacob Tammy's been all right the last couple of weeks. Um, even Martellus Bennett, I think he's a guy who's pretty underrated on the whole down at 4,000. I, I wouldn't really rule him out, especially if they don't have Alshon Jeffrey. I think he kind of steps up and becomes that top target. Yeah, as long as that rib injury doesn't sideline Bennett, I think he could have a nice game against the Packers on Thursday night. 
Thank you for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out ROTOWIRE for free for the next 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. We are off for the holiday until Monday. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.